Welcome to the Air Quality News podcast, which is brought to you in association with Vortex IoT, who are now part of Marston Holdings. Together, they're offering end-to-end decarbonisation solutions that reduce air pollution for their clients. For more information, please visit www.vortexiot.com. Hello, my name is Stephen Sorrell, and this year I will be presenting a series of podcasts for Air Quality News. We will explore some of the key issues in the air quality debate in depth by engaging with key experts in the field. I'm a solicitor by trade, but over the last 20 years have worked as an author, commentator and advisor on climate change, low carbon and renewable energy. Much of my work is with local authorities, helping them to react to climate change, preparing plans and strategies such as action plans for their climate emergencies, and particularly in developing renewable energy projects. In this episode of Air Quality News Podcast, we will look at air quality on the front line. Our destination is Bradford in West Yorkshire, only 15 miles from where I live in Leeds. It has been newsworthy these past weeks because Bradford MBC has introduced a clean air zone, which took effect on the 26th of September 2022. In 2018, the government required around 30 local authorities under air quality legislation to take action to reduce air pollution in their areas. Bradford developed an air quality plan and decided upon reflection that the quickest way to reduce pollution levels, particularly nitrogen dioxide that were over legal levels, was to introduce a clean air zone. It drew up plans and received nearly £40 million of government funding to help prepare the area for the clean air zone, which was originally planned for early 2022, but like other areas, was ultimately delayed for a variety of factors, including COVID. The plans were approved by the Council finally in March 2021, and as I said, the scheme has just come into effect. Bradford, of course, is not alone in developing a clean air zone, and areas such as Bath had gone before in this process. However, where Bradford is particularly noteworthy is in relation to its community engagement and its ability to measure the impact on health and well-being of the introduction of the scheme. It can do this because of the Born in Bradford programme, which had already been running for some years. As the report published by Born in Bradford, entitled Research That Changes a City, indicates... Born in Bradford began in 2007 with little funding but huge support from doctors, nurses, teachers and most importantly families in Bradford. In the last 10 years it has grown to become one of the biggest and most exciting studies in the world. Over 30,000 Bradfordians are part of this incredible research helping to push the frontiers of medical science. So the Born in Bradford initiative had already been monitoring health and well-being of citizens in the area for some time. And so with the introduction of the clean air zone, looks certain to give a much clearer picture of its impacts. Moreover, it allowed a deeper engagement with the public than has perhaps been achieved in the introduction of clean air zones elsewhere. So who better to talk to us about this key subject for Air Quality News than the director of Born in Bradford, Professor Rosie McEachan. Welcome, Rosie. Thanks for having me. Thank you. I think the place to start then is a little bit more about Born in Bradford and what it does. I'd like to go on to air quality generally, the clean air zone and and your work there. But 
Tell me about how it started. I think the first point to make is, of course, it's not part of the council. It's part of the NHS, isn't it? So it has no responsibility for air quality control. Let's start there, perhaps. Yeah, okay. So Barn and Bradford is a very big applied research programme based within the wonderful city of Bradford. I just want to get that out to your (laughs) listeners. Uh, Bradford is an absolutely amazing place to live and work. But like many other urban cities, Bradford has areas of the city with very high levels of deprivation and with high levels of deprivation come high levels of ill health. Now, Bradford has some of the highest rates of mortality, morbidity, poor birth outcomes across the UK. And Born in Bradford was set up back in 2006 to really shine a spotlight on what's happening in Bradford and to explore why some families stay healthy and why other families fall ill. Now, we are very unusual research programme in that we are based within our NHS organisation. So we're based within Bradford Teaching Hospitals NHS Foundation Trust. Yeah. Um, but what that's enabled us to do is to really become very integrated within the fabric of our city, really integrated with policy and decision makers. You know, we've spent a lot of time building up those relationships within the city to try and spread evidence into practice. We started life as a birth cohort study. Right. Uh, for anyone who, who might not be aware of what this is, uh, a birth cohort study is a really powerful research design to help us disentangle all the different factors that influence health and well-being. So the premise is really simple. What we do is, uh, or what we did, was we recruited mums uh, when they were pregnant at our city's main maternity unit, which is uh, just across the, the way from my office here. And between 2007 and 2011, we recruited over 12,500 mums to the project. Those mums had over 13,500 children. And we have been following up the health and well-being of those children ever since. And the oldest children in our Born and Bradford cohort are pushing age 15, so okay. they're turning into yeah. adolescence. So that enables us to get a good view of the factors that influence health. Okay, so that's a really good start then. So it, it isn't specifically about air quality. Air quality has come into this as one of the factors that's come out yeah. of what, what you've... Right, I, I thought that was definitely the case. Let's move on to air quality generally then. So you're monitoring all these mums and their children and what's actually happening to them. But I want to come back to the specific born in Bradford breeds a bit later on. But let's let's look in more general terms first at air pollution levels in Bradford, because we comment in Air Quality News on a regular basis on international and national limits on air quality. And under government legislation, the limit for nitrogen dioxide, which, of course, is a pollutant that's formed through the burning of fossil fuels, is 40 micrograms per cubic metre. The World Health Organisation, as I'm sure you will know, has just reduced its maximum from 20 to 10. And so effectively, areas of Bradford were somewhere around four times or are somewhere around four times the the WHO uh, limit. And the government's own targets have been criticised, haven't they? Because they're not in line with the World Health Organisation, which is a bit of a problem. But it's more worrying that the situation in Bradford didn't even achieve the government's limits. And as you just commented, uh, some of the areas affected are inner city areas where the most deprived wards are and where there are high levels of ethnic diversity and, and, and young people under the age of 16. So how far back does 
air quality concern go then, considering you've been at this a long time? Yeah, we have been working on air quality research for the past 15 years, ever since we started. And I think uh, what's been really interesting in this space is that when we first started doing research into the health impacts of pollution, the general public weren't particularly aware or particularly engaged about this issue and one of the the major changes in pollution you know Bradford's an industrial city if you if you were walking around Bradford in the 1800s you would the the air would be thick with smog you wouldn't be able to see in front of you now a lot of pollution is invisible so when we started this journey I, I think it's fair to say that many members of the public weren't aware some of our early findings looked at birth weight of children in Bradford and we showed really clearly that the more polluted the areas in which mums lived babies had poorer birth outcomes so they had smaller head circumferences they were born lighter you know so that started people thinking about this issue as children have been growing up and this is work that we've been very privileged to do with our European collaborators on a variety of projects called Helix Life Cycle and Athlete we've looked at the impact of pollution on blood pressure in children We've looked at the impact on brain development um, and we've even shown that impact of pollution, that molecular level on children's DNA. Going back to your point about these legal levels, well, you know, I'm no air quality expert, but what our research has shown is that there is no safe level of pollution. And in fact, our research has shown there can be pretty severe effects at levels far below, you know, those arbitrary 40, older 40 microgram limits. As far as I'm concerned, from a health perspective, uh, as a country, we should all be working to to those much tighter air quality standards. I think think that was a point made by Sir Stephen Holgate, actually, at the Air Quality News National Conference last year, which I was uh, fortunate enough to to chair. And he was very clear on that. There is no safe limit of pollution at all. You can't say, oh, great, we've got it down to 10. Even 10 micrograms is is causing a problem. But let's get technical just for a moment, though. interesting to note that the focus in Bradford is on nitrogen dioxide rather than particulate matter, which is the other big one of the five main pollutants. What what are the specific health problems that we know about now then that are connected to nitrogen dioxide? The research that we've done in Barn and Bradford actually takes uh, a whole range of pollutants. So it does include NO2 and particulate matter. And the, the studies that I've just reported look at all of those pollutants in the round. It is fair to say that there is a focus on reducing nitrogen dioxide, but that is a function of the fact that the government direction, the ministerial direction, said you'll get money to focus on nitrogen dioxide, but not anything else. So particulate matter is a big problem, and there is work going on in Bradford to tackle that as well. So I think the investment that has come into Bradford with the clean air zone has enabled a sort of investment on the top of that so piggybacking on so i know that the council have got some money to look at particulate matter and how we can characterize what's going on and how we can reduce it we're just starting a project on indoor air quality you know so we will be measuring what's happening indoors as well in terms of wood burning which we think you know with the cost of living crisis we think is going to be a bit more of an issue than it might have been previously Yeah, of course. I'm trying to sort of understand it myself in a sense, in in that particulate matter is effectively a piece of something that exists after burning that goes into your lungs and then moves around your body or whatever. What impact does the nitrogen dioxide, which is a gas, have then? Is that is that largely the same thing? 
it, it, it's all to do with what what happens when these sort of toxins enter your body so it, a lot of it is about inflammatory responses which you know your organs start reacting to yeah. the negative substance but the fine-grained mechanisms let's think are still people are still researching actually yeah actually how these things have the impact on health yeah yeah and interestingly you've mentioned um international links and stuff because uh, my, my impression is certainly that over the past maybe decade possibly a bit longer than that the understanding of all this has got a lot more sophisticated and it sounds like that's been your journey too since you started born in bradford yeah, absolutely. I think that the technologies that we can use to assess pollutants and assess individuals' exposure to pollution has, you know, vastly improved. We can model exposure to pollution for populations at a much larger scale. You know, the, the ability to test DNA and metabolomics and what's going on at that molecular level has also, yes. you know, massively expanded in, in the recent decades. So it enables yes. us to, to get yeah, a really comprehensive overview. Yes. To be honest, we know pollution's bad. You know, there has yes, been yes. a lot of research and actually we yeah. need to start moving on to how we reduce it. So, yes. there's, there's, you know, you can only explain the problem so much in so many different ways. Yes, uh, of course. You mentioned the issue about the government providing some money on the NO2 front. And of course, obviously, readers of Air Quality News are very conscious of the fact that there's a lot of criticism about the architecture of the legislation and how all this actually is put together and works but but in the division of the functions am i right in thinking that it's the council's data that they do the monitoring and you analyze or do you do monitoring yourselves so the the council um have a really comprehensive network of air quality monitoring across the city and they have very kindly uh, offered to share that information with yeah. us so that what we will be able to do is to look at what's going on with air quality trends. And I, I would say disclaimer, I will not be doing this myself. So I work with yeah. two great colleagues, James Tate and Jim McQuaid at the University of Leeds, who yeah. are going to help me with this. We collect the health data. So it's a good partnership. It's great that we have the council who have such a comprehensive monitoring network yes. across the city. Well, I suppose in, in some ways, I, you know, we started with the point, didn't we, that you, you're not the council. You have two completely separate, albeit both public uh, roles, if you like. But you clearly have a common aim here, don't you, in that the, the council, because I want to come on to the clean air zone. Any local authority that's got to introduce a clean air zone wants to try and do it smoothly and with public support. Um, they want to do it because they're, well, to put it crudely, being forced to by the, by the government and by the law. You want to do it because you, you anticipate there's going to be health benefits, but you do have a common interest and a sense, and, and it makes sense to, to have that partnership, doesn't it? Let's, let's move on to the clean air zone then. So we know that Bradford was one of the quite a number of local authorities that had air quality levels exceeding the national limits and were therefore forced by the government to do something about it. And just on that, of course, we know as well, government guidance shows that 35% of nitrogen dioxide comes from road transport. So immediately you're starting to look at, at that area. But the first step was for Bradford Council um, to prepare an air quality plan because that's how they have to do it, don't they? And then uh, you don't necessarily just go for a clean air zone. Were you engaged with them during that process? 
Yeah, so we were engaged with them during during that long process. Born in Bradford is, we are not a dusty shelf academic research study. No. You know, we exist to make <laughs> things better um, yes. for communities living in Bradford. And the air quality agenda is really important to us because we know the harms of it. So, so actually, we've been working really closely with Bradford Council yeah. since we started. And, and really what we do is a sort of a critical friend uh, to the council yeah. to say, OK, here's the evidence. You know, how, how are you going to work on this and how are you going to build on this and how are you going to incorporate what we're finding yeah. from our research programme into what your plans are? And I think from the sort of research that we're doing at the minute in terms of how, you know, the process of implementing this type of clean air plan, we've found that people have been telling us that the health focus that we were able to give really helped maintain direction. So yes. it, it it sort of helps with that justification. It helps with that public facing component. Yeah. Like, you know, why are we doing yeah. this? I, th I think there's no doubt that the, the council are very fortunate to actually have the partnership with you. And, and this is this is a real big bonus for them, because, as I said, they, they just want to get the thing done and accepted, if you like. And, and yeah. you also know there's been quite a lot of opposition elsewhere in the country in relation yeah. to these things. But the, don't start me on the taxi drivers in Leeds, where I live. Can I just so it's just on that point? So I think it's really important. I, th I think often what gets lost when people are reporting this sort of development of these clean air plans is that there was very sort of strict guidance and, and criteria for local authorities to hit and all, yes. all local authorities were asked to consider implementing a charging clean air zone yes. and had to show if they didn't want to implement that charging clean air zone had to show how the other activities would we'll do improve it. pollution levels yeah. further. So essentially, yeah. there wasn't that much choice. It's, it's kind no. of like, OK, you've got to have a charging clean air zone. Um, but what we were able to do with our research programme, sort of working al alongside is really get views of communities in Bradford who would be affected by this. So communities who are often seldom heard are often seldom able to influence policy making yes. and decision making so these might be families living in really deprived parts of the city yes. yeah. families who may not be able to speak english as a first language because we are a very multicultural city yes. so we did some research really early doors for the council that said actually you know the fundamentally people are really keen about this narrative to improve health but there is a lot of concern particularly amongst low-income groups particularly amongst yeah. taxi drivers yeah. because they're implicated in literally every yes. type of cas and we were able to feed that back to Bradford Council, who were then able to use that evidence to go to government and say, look, got a problem here. And the feedback that I got from the council is that they were able to get a really high level of grants yeah, yeah. for taxi drivers yes. because we were able to say, spell it out, to say, this is a problem. Now, I would say that the taxi drivers could do with even more. It's expensive yes. to upgrade yeah. a vehicle, but you know, they did do the best that they could within the yes. parameters of what they well, were allowed I, to do. The, the funny thing in Leeds, though, was that I know Leeds is a different position, of course. They they proposed a clean air scheme and then uh, didn't have to implement it because the thing had improved. And what the taxi drivers say, all this wasted money, we had to do this and this, and now they've cancelled it. They completely missed the point that the, the reason it's cancelled is because the air quality has improved and you don't therefore need it. So, in fact, they did still need to get the hybrid or the electric vehicle or the Euro 6 or whatever yeah. it is. But um, funny enough, though, it is worth mentioning in, in um, passing, isn't it, I think, that all your comments there about 
deprived communities and the people who have least say and, and are able to do something about it is, of course, paralleled in climate change. Exactly. And one of the things that we tend to write about in Air Quality News and Environment Journal is the fact that there's this triumvirate now of climate change, biodiversity and air quality, and they are all completely interlinked. And in a piece I, I wrote for them uh, earlier in the year, I said, of course, if the question is we want to sort something out about climate change, then the answer might be to replace a diesel or petrol driven car with an EV. But of course, if the question is air quality, that's not the answer. Active travel and other things have to be done because then you've got your particulate matter off the brakes and off the tyres and whatever. So what we're trying to do is develop further awareness that what local authorities have got to do now is to put in place a comprehensive plan where action in one area doesn't make it worse in another area. So and you get this particularly with biodiversity. And of course, the last point on that is that um, there is no doubt that uh, climate change gets the lion's share of the publicity as well, much more than air quality and biodiversity. Yeah. And that's something else that maybe ought to be remedied. But anyway, on the clean air zone then. So the council, uh, yes, at Hobson's choice, as, as he used to say, I suppose, they ended up the clean air zone. And we all know that there's different ones, A, B, C, D, uh, different vehicles and so on uh, covered. And they went for a, a C plus, which effectively includes everything except private cars and, and motorcycles. And then we've got that usual process, 39 million of government grants, 3,400 people applied for help under that process, 370 replacement buses. You've got 33 new electric buses coming next year. Lots of argy-bargy in the press, of course, mm -hmm. about the, the good being done versus the inconvenience. And in my experience, people can become incredibly myopic and selfish on occasions about us doing things like this but so you had a good interface with the council during all of that and were happy with what they ended up with yeah i mean i think that within the parameters they did the best that they could and i think that we have to be mindful bradford is a poor city relatively if you compare it to other parts of the uk if we'd wanted to like really push um pollution levels down as far as we could, it would have been a private, you know, we'd have been a cab yes. D, but actually what yes. is going to be the impact of that on really poor families living within the city? So that is that balance of a CAS C plus with hopefully lots of other measures coming in to help supplement it versus charging yes. private vehicles. But I did want to comment on the negative press because mm. it's been very interesting because we have been evaluating and observing what's been going on with this since they started. It's been really interesting to to see how that the sort of negative voices and the negative opinions have gathered force, gathered pace and really become the campaigning issue. The way that the implementation has been portrayed in the media is as something really divisive and you have a lot of um, businesses who are voicing concerns. You know, they are yes. concerns. They are valid concerns. You have taxi drivers who are also talking about mm. their valid concerns. But what you don't hear is from all the people who think it's a good idea <laughs> and, no. you know, part of the research... The silent majority, as we yes. call them. So, so we actually did a survey with our Born and Bradford families, over 1,100 of those families, and this was sort of late last year, and 70% yeah. of those families said that they supported the introduction of a CAS. Yeah. 
Yes, I've got so, that document here, actually. Uh, air quality in the clean air zone in Bradford. What do Bradford residents think? And I think it was near, it's almost 75 percent, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Almost 75 percent agree with it. And that that's so important because the engagement with the public is a real problem for the councils because, uh, and it's the same with all climate change. I mean, in all my, my work on climate change, the one factor that stands out as being incredulous really is if you look at what happened in cop 26 and so on we've got a real problem here it's pardon the pun a burning platform we need to do something about it and yet most of the public don't even understand it and we're not take making any efforts to actually help them to understand it we've often found in climate change if you look at say the work of the citizens juries the citizens' juries, I, I was involved in one in Lancaster, and I forget how many people are on it, now, 50 people or whatever. A good proportion of them to start with were sceptics, and yet they all recommended that action be taken by the end because they'd listened to the professionals and others, and effectively their minds had been changed. Okay, some you'll never ever change their minds, but generally you will. And so that's, I think, what the benefit of Born in Bradford to the council. They're so fortunate that you've effectively helped them because you've got the evidence mm -hmm. and, and and can help um, explain why all this is is actually necessary. There are lessons to be learned. You know, the, there's things that will go well and there's things that haven't gone so well, as with any sort of implementation of yes. policy. And I think what we're keen to do with the research that we're, we're doing alongside the implementation is, is have those lessons available for other local authorities to learn. You know, I think yeah. too much we're, we, we close up shop, don't we? People yeah. don't like to say, they like to shout about what's going well, but some of the challenges people don't like to talk about. No. But actually no. it's really important because there's lots of other local authorities, you know, that are going to be coming up behind Bradford here. It's yeah. really important to understand some of the you know some of the difficulties with trying to implement a policy like yes. this all policy in climate change has to be based on an evidence base and it's as simple as that if you haven't got that you're in real trouble but i think the negative voices one particularly difficult area of course is social media and social media is a problem because it's a problem generally because it's largely unregulated as we saw recently with the the, the suicide of the young girl the coroner's report and so on but it's, it's essentially a lot of what's written on social media is absolutely nonsense and you see it all the time oh i get this all the time in my work our oh, solar panel never gets over its embedded carbon it's just simply not true that's all. but if you have the facts then you can start trying to to win people over and i think that's the strength of of what you're doing there isn't it you're giving people the facts yeah it's so important to get the facts out there and be transparent you know there's been delays with the implementation of bradford clean air zone as there have been in, yeah. in, in other areas but you know it, it's about being transparent about why there are these delays and where are the delays coming from and so that you don't have your communities going what what on earth no, what on earth is going no, on here no in fact I, mean, I suppose the, the simple way of putting it you know is your initiative your work has has tapped into the silent majority hasn't it really that's what this well, document shows yeah to the extent and i think it's really important to sort of say you know as researchers we're not leading one way or the other here you know we're really just reporting the facts yeah. out there about what people think and we will be reporting the facts about the impact of the clean air zone as well that we have sort of you know one to two to three to four to five years after its implementation and you need that objective yeah. reporting to help 
understand whether yeah. these types of initiatives are the, the right thing to do. Yeah. And interestingly yeah. enough, when I when I actually looked at the plan of where the problems are, the excessive levels are almost exclusively on highways, aren't they? They're all the they're all the big roads. And of course, we learned through the circumstance of Ella Kissy Deborah in London and that coroner's report that living right on the side of the South Circular Road, the levels of pollution were so much higher and contributed to her asthma. And ultimately, he reported contributed to to her death. Yeah, but also a lot of our schools in Bradford are located on very busy roads. So, yeah. you know, it, it is a big issue for those people in inner city, inner city Bradford. Well, that, well, that's where you've got the overlap again, haven't you, with climate change and stuff. There's lots of things being said about idling motor cars out not necessarily just outside schools but anywhere frankly and they seem to have done better than this on the continent if you have a a transfer from an airport to somewhere else on the continent the buses are never idling they always turn straight off because that's been a rule for a long time but that's an issue over here you mentioned Woodburn there's other things we could come on to but let's look specifically at the Born in Bradford Breathes area then so you started your cohort birth cohort study You've recognised the importance of air quality as opposed to health as you've gone along. That work has become much more sophisticated. There's been more clamour for lower limits and and all the rest of it. When did you decide to, to, yeah, we'll, we'll do something specifically in relation to the clean air zone? So we are always very passionate about doing useful research that is going to help policy and decision makers to identify how best to improve the health at a population level. Bradford is, we call ourselves a city of research in Bradford. So we have our Born and Bradford cohort, which, as you said at the start, over 30,000 Bradfordians who actively take part. But we also have a really sophisticated network of linked data across the city. So we have a project called Connected Bradford, which links up health information that is collected from hospital and GP practices, with social care, with local authority data, with education data across the entire population so far, all 546,000 citizens living in Bradford. And we have that historical data from, you know, when when everything got computerised, when electronic health records came about. So that gives us an amazing test bed to see what happens when you drop a policy like this into the city. Yeah. So what we're planning to do for the Bib Breeds project is um, we we are specifically exploring the impact of the Clean Air Zone and the Bradford Clean Air Plan on heart health in the city and on lung health. We know in Bradford from health stats that there's over 41,000 individuals that have asthma. There's over 500 respiratory deaths every year. And so what we're going to be doing using our analysis technique called interruptive time series analysis, which I'm sure loads of your your listeners will have used that themselves, is that we'll be looking at the impact of this policy on trends in uh, GP attendances and hospital attendances for things like breathing difficulties or, or heart problems. I think the really important thing to note is that there will be an economic evaluation in here. So what we would hypothesise is that the the clean air zone is effective at reducing pollution. We would see reductions in people rocking up to accident and emergency or their GP with breathing problems, for example. And that will result in a cost saving to the NHS because a lot of money in the NHS is spent treating entirely preventable 
disease yes. which is caused by pollution. That's um, interesting because it's explained one thing to me, which I wasn't quite sure about, which was I read that uh, you're looking at the impact on lung and heart health and birth weight and so on, comparing the health of over 500,000 residents. And I wondered where the 500,000 came from. So that's the link data, because in your born in Bradford, you've got what is it, 13,500 specific yeah. children. But this is all that linked data which enables you to, to have a look at it. Yeah, so we'll be able to look at it at our city-wide level. But what we will yeah. also be able to do with our uh, Born and Bradford data, which is much richer, we've got a lot, lot of really uh, rich yes. information yeah. on life circumstances and ethnicity and behaviours and attitudes, is that we'll be able to do a much deeper dive for that smaller group of yeah. residents within the city to look at right, how has the clean air zone impacted on air quality attitudes, for example? How has yeah. it impacted people's behaviours? Um, how are people getting around the city? Yeah. Uh, what's yeah. people's mental health? All that kind of stuff. Well, I, th I think it's worth uh, actually mentioning as well that I, I suspect, you know, that quite a number of people would be surprised how how big Bradford actually is. And I remember when I started in local government, I came to work for Leeds City Council, which is another huge council. But with 550,000 population, it's right up there in, in one of the top sized local authorities in, in the country. It is. So the most recent pre-release for the most recent census, the population's increased to around 546,000. Um, yeah, that's sixth yeah. largest metropolitan yeah. district in, in England and Wales. The size of the population, industrial heritage, some deprivation, etc. It's not hard to understand why it might have the, the sort of problems we, we've been discussing. I think there was um, the other thing was, you, aren't you also doing some targeted work, though? I, I read about the monitoring 12 schools, 240 children, mobile air sensors for three months before and after. That's yeah. like a that's a deep dive, is it? Yeah, so what we wanted to do was really make this research project accessible to our communities as well. So not just some scientists sitting in, a, in an office somewhere, but we actually wanted to get out there and work with children. So my colleague Jim McQuaid and Kirsty Pringle at the University of Leeds have helped us with this and we recruited 12 schools. We have lots of monitoring indoor and outdoor of those schools and those those monitors are going to be kept switched on as this plan, the, the implementation progresses. But we also got kids to carry pollution sensors on their route to and from school. Um, and that was to give us a sense of pollution hotspots and where kids are being exposed to most levels of pollution, most levels mm. of traffic. The kids have absolutely loved that. And we've been following have, that yeah. up. I mean, COVID has been a complete nightmare. Yeah, it's been really course. difficult to implement yeah. that part of the project. We're not going to be doing mobile monitoring with pupils we finished that in July last year. But what we are then now doing with our schools is going in and doing engagement activities. So we yeah. work with a company called IVE Creativity Labs, and they're going in working with kids yeah. around climate change and that wider agenda to yeah. get, you know, because yeah. kids have such a powerful voice and a powerful influence. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's been a really lovely part of this project yeah. to be able to work with yeah. people and citizen scientists. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I always think that it's much more powerful if the child in the car says, don't leave the car idling, rather than somebody knocks the window and says, do you mind turning your engine yeah, off? Yeah, completely. Which, which might have a slightly different uh, response. But um, at the at the Air Quality News Conference last year, the National Conference, they have an exhibition. And of course, there was all these people there who sell all this kit. Most of the ones I looked at were actually internal monitors, but will tell you what the situation is. So awareness is key, isn't it, I suppose. But born in Bradford Breeds, absolutely brilliant really good work going on there on a personal what do you expect to come from that study though what would what would you like to see being the result of it i would like to see more ambitious levels of funding and commitment to reducing pollution and i would like us to be focusing on let's not stop at 40 micrograms here no you know what's going to happen when we reach that I, i really want there to be a very clear focus on reducing pollution to improve health because pollution is one of the biggest contributors to mortality and disease globally that's what i'm hoping for this is that it becomes so much more important on the agenda for decision makers well well, i must admit i hadn't realized before i got into this area how big a health issue it actually is it's one of the big health issues now isn't it because it's so it's not like cancer is an issue on its own this covers so many different areas of illness that it's surprising that the government hasn't relented to the pressure they've they've come under to actually change the targets but well we we live in hope don't we but let's get just for a moment though let's go back to born in bradford as a concept and what it does because this issue i just wanted to rate i mentioned this to you before this issue about um you're providing the evidence base to justify change but i sort of raised an eyebrow when i read on your website and it says our role is to observe not to influence and i thought surely you are influencing or is that simply by providing people with irrefutable evidence that you're pretty sure where it will lead them Yeah, I mean, I think that a a sort of more natural way of describing what we do in Bradford is that uh, we call it a city collaboratory. So actually, you're right, we're not just here to observe. You know, we're um, publicly funded, you know, we're grant funded, fundamentally taxpayers' money. We need to be making a change and making a real difference. So our our model, our city collaboratory model, is about us working in partnership with communities, in partnership with policy and decision makers, in partnership with health professionals, educationalists, to make sure that we we are giving these pernicious problems, these wicked problems, the attention that they deserve to to improve health of communities. You're providing the evidence base, which is used by a whole range of other people then to try and push for change effectively. Yeah, so we're providing the evidence base, but we're also talking to research users to say, what should we focus on? You know, this isn't us just coming up with an idea and saying, right, we're going to have a look at this. This is about, you know, having worked with the council for 10 years, them saying, we think there's a problem with pollution here. What impact is it having on our residents? How can we help? develop this plan and you know all those sorts of issues yeah okay well i don't suppose we can touch on any area at present without thinking about the impact of the current energy crisis rising inflation all the rest of it um, there could be so many areas here from people keeping older cars and them staying on the road to more wood burning indeed to more cold related deaths if you want to take it the whole way how concerned are you by this what what do you think is going to happen I'm really concerned, very concerned indeed about the cost of living crisis. So we already have a very high number of families who are living in fuel poverty and in financial insecurity. So these families need support. So, you know, this is something that we are 
going to be looking at with our families. We're going to be out speaking with our families over the next few months to think to see about the impact that this is having on them. And I think, you know, it has been very difficult with landing this clean air zone at this time. There is never a good time. There will never be a good time to implement a policy like this. And I think it is important to remember that there are, you know, for Bradford residents, exemptions. So if people are worried, you know, if they're living in Bradford and they're worried about this, you know, really important to say passenger vehicles are not charged. And if you live um, in Bradford, you can get an exemption. But there will be some people, you know, it will impact but it is a very big concern i mentioned earlier we're we're just about to embark on a new project around indoor air quality we're going to be recruiting 300 families in bradford and we're going to be putting pollution monitors indoors um, and outdoors this is part of the ingenious project which is led by my colleague nick carslaw Mm. at york and it's going to be fascinating We, we don't know what goes on indoors really in terms of sources of pollution but from indoor air quality perspective i understand it's all ventilate 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 well we have families who will struggle to heat their home yeah yeah you know so so it's that balance yeah indoor air quality is another forgotten area isn't it that's not really dealt with i'm fortunate enough to live in a passive house and of course it's got mechanical heat ventilation recovery when you take out the filter the input filter it's absolutely black and you think to yourself, well, hang on a minute, that's my lungs. My lungs are breathing exactly the same air as is coming into that filter. It is, uh, it is quite surprising, isn't it? And it's, uh, but going back to the cost of living crisis, of course, that came up particularly markedly in the race for the leadership of the Conservative Party, didn't it? In a sense of Rishi Sunak seemed to be saying, I'll target the more towards people in deprivation, those on benefits and those need it. Uh, Liz Truss has taken a different view and, and come in for considerable criticism as a result of that, which is all over the news now. But one hopes that there will be more money made available and perhaps some more targeted relief. Yeah, I mean, I mean I'm a, a fan of proportionate universalism you know, uh, opportunities for everybody, but targeting things to communities in most need. And I think we do need to be thinking about those communities who are on, on the fringes, who are on that breadline struggling to cope. I, one of my colleagues said something which was really interesting, actually, to me and really made me think. So he goes out and speaks a lot to communities and very multi-ethnic parts of, of Bradford. And he said, actually, uh, Rosie, uh, the cost of living crisis has always been around for many yeah. of these families yeah. who are living in these yeah. parts of Bradford. The difference is, is that the cost of living crisis is now affecting people who traditionally have been thought of as middle income yeah. earners. Yes. Yes. And that is the difference. So I think it's really yeah. important. This has always been an issue yeah. for families. It's getting more airtime now, but let's yeah. not forget, you know, there's inherent inequality. If you look at fuel poverty statistics, there's always been one and a half million, two million. There, there could be 10 million now. It's, it's got so much. But, but it's exactly the same point, though, Rosie, isn't it? You say there's never a good time for this. There's never a good time for any of the climate change provisions either. It's exactly the same thing. Oh, well, we can't afford it. Right, let's go and dig some more oil and, and pump some more gas. And, and the Committee on Climate Change is aghast saying, no, that's not the way we should be should be thinking here. It's anyway, a worry. I mean, I, I've got two children and, I, you know, I think, well, goodness, so all the, all, we're, we're just sort of pushing all this forward so it's going to be our kids and grandkids that are going to be picking up 
the mess here so it is a worry yeah it is it is well look thank you very much for such an interesting discussion about your work it's nice to celebrate success and the work that you've been involved in to help address the problems of poor air quality in Bradford. Uh, I've learned a lot from my research into it and speaking to you. You know, you should be very proud of what you've achieved. So thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Thanks very much, Stephen. This podcast has been brought to you in association with Vortex IoT, who are now part of Marston Holdings. Together, they're offering end-to-end decarbonisation solutions that reduce air pollution for their clients. For more information, please visit www.vortexiot.com.